Good evening. Um, if you would, please turn to the book of 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 18. And I'd like to just begin again by thanking you all as a church family for all that you guys have done uh, for our family. Um, you guys have been a real encouragement, um, just really refreshed us over the last three and a half months. Um, so thank you so much. Um, for all that you all have done. Um, we do have the privilege of serving in Papua New Guinea, and um, I guess it's almost 13 years that we've been there, um, and we really uh, counted a privilege to serve the Lord there um, and to be a small part of what, what God is doing in that part of the world. Um, and... Uh, we'd really appreciate your prayers for the believers. Um, probably this week, actually, there'll be um, national elections. They'll be voting uh, in our village. And we just received word this morning from our coworker of a number of believers who are struggling um, with sin and different things in their lives. So really, please pray for the believers um, there in Kiari. Um, first-generation believers, and as first-generation believers, there's just a lot that they have to learn, a lot that they have to overcome in their culture coming out of a very dark and pagan culture. Um, so please pray uh, for the believers this week um, that they would really stand against the temptations of their culture. Um, and, um, yeah, just please pray. Uh, for that, and we'd appreciate that a lot. Um, this evening, I'd like to take some time to look at a story here in Second Kings, um, story of a king named Hezekiah, and he was one of the kings of Judah. And as we look at this story, I would like us to think about God's trustworthiness. God is worthy of our complete trust. And I want us to think about that as we, as we look at this story this evening. Um, so let's go to, the, go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll, we'll look at this story. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege that we have of knowing you of having a relationship with you, of being your children. Thank you for your word and the way that you use your word in our hearts to change us, to grow us, um, to convict us. I pray that you would use your word this evening um, to encourage us, to um, strengthen our trust and dependence on you. I pray that you would um, help us as we look at your word, that your Holy Spirit would have freedom in our hearts to work, and that you would um, give me the strength and the words to say. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Just to put this story in context, remember the, the overall story, God's story in the Bible of how God created the world and created the first man and his wife, Adam and Eve, and how God gave them one law. And I think we all, or most of us probably know the, the story of how Satan tempted them and they chose to follow Satan, to trust Satan, and to disobey God. And because of their disobedience to God, they had a broken relationship with God. They weren't able to have that fellowship with God like they had before. But God gave a promise to send a Savior. And many years later, after that initial promise, he gave another promise to a man named Abraham and told Abraham, I'm going to send that Savior, that Redeemer. He's going to be one of your descendants. I'm going to send him in your family. And he appointed the Israelites as a special group of people that he would give his word to as well as send his Savior through that nation, that country. Um, And um, in the middle of this story, actually a lot of the Old Testament is a story of the Israelites following the story of the Israelites, showing very clearly who that Savior is. And in the middle of that story of the nation of Israel is the story of one of the kings of Judah, King Hezekiah. And um, Hezekiah trusted God. There was a number of kings of Judah that were good kings, that trusted God, that, that led God's people towards him. Um, and Hezekiah was one of them. And I want to think about how God showed himself worthy of Hezekiah's trust. Um, let's begin reading in verse 3, 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 3. And he did what, it's talking about Hezekiah, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and according to all that David his father had done. He removed the high places and broke down the pillars and cut down the Asherahs, and he broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days the people of Israel had made offerings to it. It was called Nehushtan. He trusted in the Lord, and the, the Lord, the God of Israel, so that there was none like him among all the kings of Judah after him, nor among those who were before him. For he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept the commandments that the Lord commanded Moses. Hezekiah trusted God. He depended. He was confident in God. And it wasn't just what he said. His actions showed it. I'm sure many of us have met someone who said some really good things, but their life didn't go along with what they said. But that's not how Hezekiah was. Hezekiah, his life, his actions demonstrated that he had confidence in God, that he depended on God. Several things he did Verse 6 talks about how he, he 
held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept the commandments the Lord commanded Moses. The commandments that God gave Moses, he followed. If you're sick and you go to the doctor, and the doctor gives you some medicine and says, take this medicine, it'll help you. If you trust the doctor, what are you going to do? You're going to do what he says, right? If you don't trust him, you think he's lying to you, what are you going to do? You're not going to take it. If we trust God, are we going to follow his commandments? Yes. That doesn't mean we're going to be perfect, but we're going we're to follow his commandments. Hezekiah also removed the high places that the people were worshiping idols. And I'm sure that that wasn't an easy thing to do. All these places where people were worshiping idols, he tore down the altars and removed those high places, those places of idol worship. You know, the account of Hezekiah in Second Chronicles takes almost three chapters to describe how he reopened the temple and reinstituted the worship of God, the God of the Bible, the God of Israel. Hezekiah trusted God in contrast to some of those around him. His father, Ahaz, I don't know if you remember how much, too much about Ahaz. He isn't one of the kings that we hear a whole lot about. But Ahaz was, he didn't trust God. He trusted in pretty much everything except for God. He led Judah into idol worship, thinking that these idols, these foreign gods, that all these other countries around Israel worship, thinking that those idols could help him, even to the point that he sacrificed some of his sons as a human sacrifice, as a burnt offering to these idols. The altar that, where they had burnt offerings to God he moved that to the side and built an altar uh, um, patterned after an altar that he had seen in Damascus. He had seen, he had gone to the Damascus and seen how he thought that their gods, their idols were helping them, and so he decided he was going to worship those idols. And he saw this impressive altar and decided that he was going to build an altar to make sacrifices. Uh, to, to pattern an altar after that one he saw in Damascus. At one time when, when um, several countries were putting pressure on Ahaz, King Ahaz, and he was feeling threatened, he took money from the temple treasury and the treasury of the kings and gave it to the king of Assyria so the king of Assyria would come and defend him. But the Bible says that rather than defending him, rather than helping him, the king of Assyria afflicted him. Nothing that he trusted in helped him. You read the story of Ahaz, and he trusted in everything except for God, and none of those things helped him. The northern kingdom of Israel, if you remember at this time, the, um, the nation of Israel was split into two groups, the northern ten tribes and the southern two tribes. The northern ten tribes, most of their kings led them away from God into idol worship. And it was actually during Hezekiah's reign as king of Judah, the southern two tribes, that the, 
country of Assyria, the army of Assyria came and took the northern tribes of Israel captive and took them away because they didn't trust God. They worshiped idols. So the question is, was God worthy of Hezekiah's trust? Here at the beginning of 2 Kings 18, it very clearly says that Hezekiah trusted God. Was God worthy of Hezekiah's trust? Well, we're going to see that Satan attacked God's trustworthiness. We can't be surprised when we trust God. When we put our confidence in God, we depend on him. We can't be surprised when Satan sends attacks to undermine God's trustworthiness, to bring into question God's trustworthiness. Why is that? Well, it's because we're in a spiritual battle. We're not in a battle against flesh and blood. We're in a spiritual battle. And Satan uses his servants, those who are in his family here on earth, to attack God's family. And that's exactly what happened to Hezekiah. And Satan attacked God's trustworthiness. Skip down to verse 13. In the 14th year of King Hezekiah, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and took them. Now jump down to verse 17. And the king of Assyria sent the Tartan, the Rabsaris, the Rabshakan, with a great army from Lachish to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem. And they went up to Jerusalem. When they arrived, they came and stood by the conduit of the upper pool, which is on the, which is on the highway to the washer's field. And when they called for the king, there came out to them Elikim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, and Shebna, the secretary, and Joha, the son of Asa, uh, Asaph, the recorder. And the Rabshakan said to them, Say to Hezekiah, thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, on what do you rest this trust of yours? All right, so King Sennacherib of Assyria came and was attacking the cities and towns of Judah, and they were at Lachish, and he sent an army with some of his officials to Jerusalem to talk to King Hezekiah. And I want to read some of what they said to Hezekiah and to the people of Judah. And you'll see that they are attempting, or Satan, through these men, are attempting to make Hezekiah trust something other than God. Attempting to make Hezekiah trust the king of Assyria. Okay, look at verse 22. This is what the, the officials from King Sennacherib of Assyria said to King Hezekiah's servants. But if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, it is not... Is it not he whose high places and altars Hezekiah has removed? 
saying to, to Judah and to Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar in Jerusalem. Come now, make a wager with my master, the king of Assyria. I will give you 2,000 horses if you're able to put your part, able on your part to set riders on them. How then can you repulse a single captain among the least of my master's servants when you trust in Egypt for chariots and horsemen? Moreover, is it without the Lord that I have come up against this place to destroy it? The Lord said to me, go up against the land and destroy it. Remember how King Hezekiah had removed the high places, the idol, places of idol worship throughout Judah. And now King Sennacherib obviously didn't understand, and he comes to, to King Hezekiah and says, you know these places of worship that Hezekiah removed? Um, and he, he's talking about those, he's thinking that those are where they worship God, but those were actually where they were worshiping idols. And King Hezekiah said, you have to worship in Jerusalem. And he says, well, why don't you trust the king of Assyria? If you put your confidence, your dependence in the king of Syria, he'll give you 2,000 horses. And he doesn't stop there. The, um, the servants of King Hezekiah asked these officials of King Sennacherib's army and said, please don't use our Hebrew language. Can you speak to us in Aramaic? And the, the officials of King Sennacherib, out of defiance the, to that, um, used the Hebrew language and just talked to all the, the residents of Jerusalem up on the wall so that they could all hear. In verse 28, he said, it says, Then the Rabshakeh stood and called out in a loud voice in the language of Judah, Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, do not let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord by saying, the Lord will surely deliver us and let this city not be, do not let Hezekiah, uh, and this city will not be given into the land of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah for thus says the king of Assyria, make your peace with me and come out to me. Then each one of you will eat from his, of his own vine and each one of his own fig tree, and each one of you will drink water of his own cistern until I come and take you to a land like your own, a land of grain and wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive trees and honey, that you may live and not die. And do not, do not listen to Hezekiah when he misleads you by saying, the Lord will deliver us. Has any of the gods of the nations ever delivered his land out of the hand of the king of Assyria. Satan is undermining their trust in God. Saying, why don't you trust the king of Assyria? He'll help you. He'll give you all kinds of stuff. It'll be good. But don't trust in God. When Hezekiah hears this, he sends a message to the prophet Isaiah. And Isaiah sends a reassuring message back to Hezekiah and says, God says, don't be afraid. 
I'll take care of it. The, the um, officials from King Sennacherib's army at this point left Jerusalem and they went back to where their king, Sennacherib, and his army were fighting some of the towns of Judah. And they found he'd gone to another town. And then he got word that a king from Cush down in Africa was bringing his army up to fight against him. And so he had to go and fight this other army. And he sends a letter back to King Hezekiah. He doesn't want Hezekiah to see them leaving and going a different direction and think that God has taken care of them. So he sends a letter back to King Hezekiah and um, uh, attacks God's character. Chapter 19, I'm going to uh, read verse 10 and 11. This is in the letter that was sent back to Hezekiah by the, by the Assyrian officials. He says, Thus shall you speak to Hezekiah, the king of Judah. Do not let your God in whom you trust deceive you by promising you that Ju Jerusalem will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Behold, you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the lands, devouring them to destruction. And shall you be delivered? So they send a letter to King Hezekiah and says, and they say, don't trust in God. Don't trust this God that you're trusting. Do you actually think that this God can help you? He's a deceiver. He's a liar. He isn't strong enough to help you. Think about all the countries that the king of Assyria has already conquered. And further on, he, he lists some of those countries and the kings that, he's, um, that, he, that they've conquered. Don't think that your God can help you. None of their gods help them. And he attacks God's character. Makes it seem as though God is a liar. He doesn't have the strength. Can't do what he promises to do. One of the characters of God is that he always does what he says. God always does what he says. And he's going to show that. He's going to prove that here. God proved that he was worthy of Hezekiah's trust. When King Hezekiah received that letter attacking God, saying, don't trust God, he can't help you, he took that letter into the temple and opened it up before the Lord and prayed. And I want to just read what King Hezekiah said. Verse 15, chapter 19, verse 15, And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made the heavens, made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. 
and hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to mock the living God. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but the works of man's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they were destroyed. So now, O Lord, our God, save us, please, from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, O Lord, are God alone. Does that sound, that, that prayer sound like someone who is depending on God? Yes, yes. Even though God's character is being attacked, even though Hezekiah and his trust in God is being attacked, he doesn't waver. He trusts God. He knows, he knows who God is. And he describes some of God's greatness there in his prayer. His prayer shows that he has a knowledge of who God is. And really, that's an important part for us to know who God is. If we don't know who God is, our trust is going to be easily shaken. Hezekiah showed dependence on God and understood who God is. Jump down to verse 25. This is part of a, a prophecy that God gave to the prophet Isaiah about what was going to happen to King Sennacherib. It's God's response to Sennacherib. Verse 25, Have you not heard that I determined it long ago? I planned from days of old what now I bring to pass, that you should turn fortified cities into heaps of ruins? So God is telling Sennacherib, I planned this long ago that you would do this. Don't be arrogant. The book of Isaiah describes Assyria as a tool in God's hand. And that's exactly what this king Sennacherib was. He was simply a tool in God's hand. And God is just saying, look, this is, is something that I've planned. I'm, I'm using you to accomplish my purpose. Don't be arrogant about it. Don't be proud about it. Look at verse 27. But I know you're sitting down and you're going out and you're coming in and you're raging against me because you have raged against me and your, and your complacency has come into my ears. I will put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth and I will turn you back the way by which you came. God is telling Sennacherib, don't be proud. I'm the one in control and I'm going to lead you away like an animal because of the way you have raged against me. Then look, look at God's promise to Hezekiah Verse 32. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city or shoot an arrow there or come before it with a shield or cast a siege mount against it. By the way he came, by the same he shall return and he shall, 
shall not come into this city, declares the Lord, for I will defend the city to save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. God promised Hezekiah that he would protect them, that he would protect the city of Jerusalem. And remember, God always does what he says. God always does what he says. When God says something, we don't have to doubt, we don't have to question, we don't have to think, I wonder if he'll actually do it. God always does what he says. That's exactly what he does. Look at verse 35. And that night, the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when the people arose in the morning, behold, they, these were dead, all dead bodies. Then Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went home and lived at Nineveh. And as he was worshiping in the house of Nishrach his god, Adremelech and Sherezer, his son, struck him down with a sword and escaped to the land of Ararat. And Esarhaddon, his son, reigned in his place. God didn't just say he would take care of Jerusalem. He did what he said. And in one night, 185,000 of the Assyrian camp died. Think about it. Hezekiah didn't have to do a thing. He didn't have to gather an army. He didn't have to shoot an arrow. He didn't have to do a thing. He just had to depend on God to help him. And God was faithful and did help him. Reminds me of another story when the Israelites were leaving Egypt. Remember, God was leading them. The cloud and the pillar of fire led them to the edge of the Red Sea. And Pharaoh changed his mind and came with his army to take the Israelites back to Egypt as his servants. And the people of Israel came to Moses and said, it would have been better if we had just stayed in Egypt. And uh, God told Moses, he said, tell the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. Those Egyptians that you see now, you're not going to see them again, and I will receive glory. God doesn't want us to do all that we can in our strength and then trust him. No. God wants us to depend completely on him. And God is worthy of our complete trust. Not only did God... Um, kill 185,000 of the Syrian soldiers. When King Sennacherib went back to Nineveh, he himself was killed. And where was he killed? While worshiping his God in his God's temple. That's a bit ironic, huh? 
He was the one that was raging against God, that was mocking God. And now, while he is worshiping his God in the presence of his God, his God doesn't even have strength to keep him from being killed. As I was thinking about this, I was thinking about how many things we are tempted to trust in, how many things that we put our confidence in are kind of like Sennacherib's God. It's so easy to put our trust in our jobs, our bank accounts, our insurance, relationships, organizations. The list could go on and on and on of things that we might be tempted to put our trust in. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be use these things wisely, but our confidence, our dependence shouldn't be on these things. Sennacherib's God was nothing more than a chunk of wood or a stone. It wasn't alive. It couldn't help him. But the God of the Bible is alive, is all-powerful, is trustworthy, and we can trust him. Is God worthy of our trust, our dependence, our confidence? Yes, yes. Is it sometimes hard to live by faith? Yeah. I find myself struggling a lot of times. I don't know how something's going to work out. Because we like the security of knowing how things are going to work out. But when I find myself having a hard time living by faith, hard time trusting God, you know what that tells me? I need to learn more about God. I need to learn more about his character and strengthen my knowledge, my understanding of who my God is. And we're all going to always be growing in this. It's not something that we reach perfection in. We're always going to have to be growing in our trust in God. One thing that we can do is remind ourselves what God has done in the past. Go back to his word and read the stories like of King Hezekiah and many, many, many others. The Bible is full of stories of God's trustworthiness. We can go back to these stories and be reminded of how faithful God is of his trustworthiness. We can also think about our own lives. I'm sure a lot of us can think back of ways that God has proved himself worthy of our trust in the past. We can remember those, and that can help us. God told the Israelites many times to remember what he had done for them bringing them out of Egypt and taking care of them. When we remember what God has done in the past, it helps us 
to be able to trust him now. I know for our family, there's, there's a number of times, number of things that we kind of have to go back to from time to time and remember how God has taken care of us, how God has been trustworthy. One of the main things is three of our children have been born there in Papua New Guinea, and we haven't been, when, for their birth, we haven't been able to stay in the village because it's a very remote village. We've had to go to, there's a couple other hospitals that are, um, that are safe enough for, for where we could go to for the birth of our children. And it's just extremely complicated logistics. It was just like, Lord, how in the world, each time, how in the, how in the world, Lord, is all of the, are all these logistics going to work out? Where are we going to stay? Who's going to watch the other kids when the baby's born and all these things? And many times we've gone back to remembering how each one of those needs God answered in his perfect time. How he supplied our needs again and again and again. As believers, we can think back on how God has helped us in the past to strengthen our trust in God today. Just one verse that I want to finish up with. Psalm 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. I hope that as we go out this evening, as we go throughout the week, that our trust in God, our confidence and dependence on God can be strengthened because of the story of God's faithfulness, God's trustworthiness to Hezekiah. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you that you are trustworthy. Thank you that we can rest our confidence in you. Lord, so many times we fail. So many times our faith, our trust in you is weak. But thank you that your trustworthiness is not weak. It's unchanging. Thank you that you are faithful. I pray that you would help us this week. Strengthen our faith, our confidence in you. Lord, when Satan attacks your trustworthiness, I pray that we would remain unshaken. We need your help. We need your strength, your help to remain strong. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.